This is Software Engineering Radio, the podcast for professional developers, on the web at se-radio.net. SE Radio brings you relevant and detailed discussions of software engineering topics at least once a month. SE Radio is brought to you by IEEE Software Magazine, online at computer.org slash software. Jim Benson, welcome to the interview. Thank you very much for joining. Um, you're well, in Seattle, you that's right? Yes, that is right. Cool. Okay. Uh, Jim, maybe not everyone knows you and know what you, who you are. Could you maybe give a brief introduction to yourself and what you're doing and what have you already done in your life? Okay. Um, so I'm Jim Benson. Uh, right now I am the CEO of a company called Modus Cooperandi. And in the IT world, we're best known for being uh, both Kanban pioneers and uh, the creators of personal Kanban. So um, before owning this company, I had a software development company that used uh, agile practices and sold those practices and our services to government. And um, while I owned that company, it became clear that there were some things that Agile did very well and some other things that it didn't do so well. And that led to us, um, in conjunction with uh, David Anderson, to, uh, to start to develop Kanban as, a, as an ideal and a methodology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you got connected to Kanban in the early days with, with David Anderson. That's right. Like you live in the same city, right? Yes, yes. We mm-hmm. uh, the the idea the the first conversations about Kanban ever happened between David and myself uh, over uh, glasses of scotch at a pub right near my house. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> yes. And together with um, how I pronounce it right, Ton- Tony Ann. Yes, Tony Ann and Maria Berry. Yeah, she's yeah. my co-author. Okay, and, uh, yeah. we, and you developed uh, it together, like you, um, person Kanban, like um, you wrote the book also together? Yeah, so, yeah, so. What, are, what is the core of personal Kanban? Like, okay. and well, what makes it different from, yeah, from Kanban? Okay, so at its, at its core, um, personal Kanban has two, two major rules to visualize your work and to limit your work in progress. And the idea there is that uh, as knowledge workers and as software developers, uh, we frequently take on more work than we can handle. And we also often don't understand, uh, because there's so many different contingencies, so many different uh, tasks that could be done at any given point in time, what the costs are of the choices that we're making. Uh, so mm-hmm. the idea with the personal Kanban was to show uh, ourselves as individuals and our teams what we're working on, why we're working on it, where there are opportunities for collaboration, and most importantly, where certain people are overworked. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the two rules are just that you visualize what you what you're doing and you limit what you're actually working on at the moment. So that is correct. Sounds that that's personal Kanban. Yes, in a nutshell. Okay, then. Thank you very much for the interview, Jim. <laughs> no, joking. <laughs> That's it. Okay, too easy. Um, no, like when I when I uh, so I I just recently uh, moved from from um, Hamburg in Germany to to Melbourne to work here as an uh-huh. agile coach, and uh, my wife and I we have a we have a little task board like a little Kanban board. But and I see all the sticky notes on the wall here, and and I think, well, let's put them all into a drawer in a box and put, hide it somewhere in the drawer under the cupboard under the stairs somewhere. So <laughs> from time to time, I think, is it not a why? Why visualizing it? Why? Why do you think it's so important? Um, well, first off, because um, we um, uh, as as people. And and as as knowledge workers, we have a tendency to commit to do more things over a period of time than we can actually get done. And part of the reason for that is that knowledge work is largely invisible and promises are invisible. So we promise to do a lot of things either to ourselves or to other people. And when we go to act on those promises, we are surprised by the amount of work we have. All of a sudden, it hits us that we are overloaded and that we have too much to do. Uh, So the goal with the personal Kanban and the goal with visualizing that backlog is to understand for yourself this is these are the number of commitments that I've made or these are the number of promises that I've made And now when I act on them, I'm going to have to make choices about which of those to do first. And every time I make a choice, I will be prioritizing one promise over another. And that can Mm -hmm. be a very uh, uncomfortable position to put yourself in. So after people tend to use personal Kanban for a while, they start to say, okay, you know what? I'm starting to promise too many things. I'm I'm putting too many mm-hmm. things into my backlog. I have, I have to go do some stuff. <laughs> I have to get some things done before I go back and um and and promise more things. Mhm. And and that makes it different from a from a to only like a normal to-do list where you where you just like um well r- write down what you all have to do but not think about the overload or what is the difference right. between the to-do list? Yeah, so so the to-do list is linear, so you can see no relationships in it, uh, and it is um, it's static. Uh, and so with the with the board itself, when you're moving the tickets, you're seeing the flow of work. So not only do you mm-hmm. see the things that you have to do, which may or may not be in a to-do list but you also see what happens when those when those tasks move from one state to the next you know how long does it mm-hmm. take you to complete them uh which which of these were fun to do uh which of these were um were difficult more difficult than you anticipated uh which of these do you hate you know and never ever want to do it again 
And so the more that you start seeing those and then also feeling those, because when you're moving the ticket from place to place, it's a very tactile system. So you feel it with your hands. You Mm -hmm. feel the movement. uh, So you get kinesthetic feedback by moving the tickets. And all of that Mm -hmm. creates a learning system. So you're learning more about your work. Whereas with a to-do list, you just cross it off. You basically kill your work as you complete it. Because, ah, I am done, and you cross it all out. <laughs> Sounds good, yes. And what, um, well, uh, what is it when, what makes it different between, like, what is the uh, difference from, from uh, Kanban known by David Anderson and um, personal Kanban? What is the, what makes it different? Well, there's, like, there's two, or there, well, there's several, several major differences, but we'll, we'll focus on a couple. Uh, the first is that personal Kanban is very much um, focused on the individual. Mm-hmm. So, how do you, as an individual, feel about the work that you're doing? Uh, can other people see the work that you're doing as an individual? Uh, and you know, do you, as an individual, have um, a a good idea of what's on your plate and what you can personally deliver. Um, whereas capital K Kanban is focused on the flow of work as as business value through the mm-hmm. business's value stream. Uh, so there's there's that difference. The other difference is that um, uh, the granularity. So personal Kanban tends to be at the task level, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes even the subtask level, whereas capital K Kanban is going to be at the user story level or the feature level. Um, and then the last is that uh, personal Kanban is about psychological metrics. How did that make you feel? You know, when, how much of this can you complete and uh, not overload yourself? those types of things, whereas capital K Kanban is focused on business metrics, which are, you know, mm-hmm. what was your cycle time? Uh, how many mm-hmm. how many uh, um, features did you get done uh, since last week? And that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's so what, what's nice. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I was going to say was that what's nice about David's capital K Kanban system and personal Kanban is that they they dovetail quite nicely. So yeah. is the yeah. So what I what I like to do when I'm working with teams or working with companies is for the team we'll set up you know a capital K Kanban, but then mm-hmm. the individuals on the team or subgroups will have personal Kanban, so that they can maintain their own personal whip limits while the team is also maintaining its team whip limit. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Um, that was actually why my like my, what I guess like you can maybe scale it in this way that you have one for a team and then for the individual or smaller groups a personal one sounds good exactly exactly um, well um, I found something some something on your website what I, what I found a bit like um, uh, weird or uh, um, <laughs> and I would like to know what is what is what is in there. What is what is it about? Like I found the topic for the future. You are interested, or you you um, start working on 
personal Kanban for kids. And yes. I, I am the father of, of a six-year-old daughter, and I thought, what is this about? I mm-hmm. um, Quite straight, uh, a sentence came into my mind that stop planning, start playing. And <laughs> I, I thought, what is, what is Kanban or personal Kanban for kids about? Can you say something about that? So, so yes, uh, Kidsbond has um, uh, gone in many different directions. So what's been nice about personal Kanban is that we released the meme uh, and said, you know, here is this loose structure. What, what do you as the planet Earth want to do with this? And several people took that immediately and started to apply it to um, different elements of of kids. So some people, like uh, Maritza Van Hoevel in um, in South Africa, uh, mm-hmm. her kids have um, a uh, they each have personal Kanbans for, like, their work, but then as a household, they have a chore Kanban. And as, as a, as, so as a household, like on Saturday mornings, they will wake up and they will attack the, the chore Kanban. Whereas what used to happen was mom, Maritza, would have to chase all of the kids around and tell them what to do and when to do it, and then they would all hate her. Now they all know that the sooner that the tickets move to done, they have the whole rest of the weekend to play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's they they're totally motivated to wake up on Saturday morning and run up to the Kanban and just start doing all of their chores because they know that once all of the tickets are done, they have total freedom. Um, in in other cases, uh, therapists have used personal Kanban to help kids with either ADHD or Asperger's um, get the focus that they need so that they can they can complete tasks. So it gives them that mm-hmm. little additional structure um, that, that, that they need. Um, we've used it uh, with kids, um, with children who have cancer and weren't taking their medication. So we've set up a Kanban with them and, and that's helped them either take their medication or help the doctor understand when and why they don't take their medication. Um, There have been school teachers that have used it. Um, A woman named Patty uh, used personal Kanban to actually teach her preschool students the alphabet. Mm -hmm. And um, before, uh, I think my numbers are right, but before in all of the years before she tried personal Kanban to do this, her kids had about a 40 to 60% proficiency in, um, in the alphabet when they left, uh, from that first year of preschool. And afterwards they had about 85 to 90% proficiency. And it was a how, huge job. How can I imagine, or how does it look like, you have in the backlog the four, 26 um, characters of the alphabet, and then mm-hmm. you put the A in to do, and you're working on it, and then the A is done, and you pull well, the B. What, what, what I also like about what Patty did is she uh, she didn't um, 
she didn't become fixated in the form of the Kanban. So she knew that the kids mm -hmm. had to visualize their work and they had to limit their work in progress. So each kid mm -hmm. got a card, and then when they were learning the letters, they were able to, across their card, write different letters to signify that they had, I believe it was first be able to identify the letter, and the second one was uh, spell a word with the letter in it, and I think there was some third stage, I can't remember what it was, uh, but the kids would write those across there, and then when they got the three letters, then they were done and they can move on to the next card. And um, so it, and it was really cool. And the the interesting thing is that since these cards were all on the wall, learning your letters suddenly became a social activity. So the kids were learning much more socially than they had been in the past. And they, she was having things happen like uh, uh, a child would get sick and would be completely freaking out at home that 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 they couldn't move their card. <laughs> so so they would actually you know prove at home that they had mastered the skill, and then they would make a card and send their parents to the preschool without them to move their card. <laughs> um, and so um, and so the. Um, uh, and, and I can I can hook you up with Patty and Maritza if you if you'd like to talk to them. Um, and um, there's yeah there's 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 literally there's literally dozens of people that we know of that have been working closely with kids using different personal Kanban principles and techniques, um, which means that there's got to be hundreds more that we we don't even know are out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which sounds is interesting. Wonderful. And actually, I think there's um, also like um, in in learning it comes agile principles or um, lean or Kanban comes up more and more. Um, for example, on the last agile coach camp this year in Germany, we um, there one one person had the idea of an agile school, and it started with uh -huh. three people, the open space, and in the end it was like 50 people sitting around in a fishbowl discussion. So that is, it's quite an, uh, it's quite exciting what comes up there in the future. Yeah, thanks. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, cool. Do you, I, I read something that you're also interested in, and I even can't pronounce it. Cognitive diabases, is it right? Oh, biases. And yeah. Biases. Yes. Yeah. So, what? what yeah. Is, sorry. What is it, and what's fascinating about it? So, um, with. Um, the reason that this is important to me is um, that in management and in our assessments of ourselves, we hold ourselves to a standard that is idealized. And in being idealized, it's really hard for humans to obtain. And we don't understand how hard it is or why, why it's hard. And so cognitive, the field of Cognitive psychology has part of it uh, cognitive biases, and there are. If you look up list of cognitive bias in Wikipedia, you will get a list of. I think right now it's about 160 cataloged cognitive biases. So these are things that are going on inside our head that make us. Um, 
a little less predictable and a little less in control of our lives than we think we are. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and some of the big ones for me, uh, the biggest one for me is one called the planning fallacy. And the planning fallacy is exemplified by something called Hofstetter's law. And Hofstetter's law states that human beings will underestimate every task, even if they are aware of Hofstetter's law. And this cognitive bias has been tested by researchers all around the world. It's found to be cross-cultural, cross-gender, uh, cross-everything. Um, the human beings tend to underestimate every task they come into contact with. And when we get into things like software development or um, all-knowledge work, we find that we are constantly beating ourselves up because we're not estimating well enough. And, and the fact is that we just, we just don't estimate very well. Uh, there's a million reasons why, and I could talk for hours on it, but, um, but, but the fact is that we can't. And one of the reasons why that's important with personal Kanban and with capital K Kanban is because both tools will allow you to measure how long it really takes you to complete something. Mm -hmm. And then you can start to, you can start to estimate based on real numbers as opposed to how long you feel it should take you to complete something. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a huge shift. That's an absolutely huge shift. Um, another one of my favorite cognitive biases is something called the fundamental attribution error. And fundamental attribution error is um, uh, basically the brain's tendency to blame the last person you saw with something for the state of that something. So if you have a, a set of features that are supposed to be delivered and they've gone completely through dev and then they're stuck in testing and they don't get released on time, people will blame testing for it. Even though, mm -hmm. you know, you could have had 250 days of development and six days of testing, <laughs> it's still going to be testing's fault because they were the last ones mm -hmm. with it, even though they didn't have enough time to do their jobs. And so Kanban, because it's a visual system, tends to show more systemic reasons why there are backups or why things happen or why, you know, and why certain choices that we made had certain impacts, uh, and they help us mitigate those cognitive biases. So if I, if I get if you right, um, uh, the Kanban board and the visualizing of the Kanban board helps us not getting into the trap of the, our completely normal cognitive biases? Yes. Okay. So it's like it helps us uh, to get more reality into our self-organization every day. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. 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 We we want we want to measure work as it's really happening. Yep. Okay. Um, well, that's very cool. Yeah. Um, last year, uh, you got rewarded for. Uh, 
the Brickett Key Award from the Lean System Society. Um, uh-huh. And I think it was because you invented and promoted the Lean Coffee format. What is this yes. about? What is this, what is the Lean Coffee format? Uh, so with Lean Coffee, uh, people take a normal personal Kanban, the basic personal Kanban of ready, doing, and done. They'll put that down on a table on sticky notes. And then everybody at the table gets some some sticky notes. They write down anything that they want to talk about that populates a backlog of stuff that the table could talk about. Then each individual member votes for two things that they would like to talk about in that list. And that prioritizes the backlog. And then you simply speak about those things in that order. And this um, format, we started for, for, for two reasons. Um, the first was that we wanted to have a lean society in Seattle, but we didn't want to have to administer it. We didn't want to have to run it. Uh, so we wanted to build uh, an organization that would run itself. And so that organization, like um, like our teams, needed the minimal amount of structure necessary to get something done. Mm-hmm. Um, but it needed to have enough structure so that uh, it, it, you know it, it would it would have a definition. So if you have no structure at all, then you just don't have a group. But if you have too much structure, then you have to have people around to enforce that structure. Mm-hmm. So with this minimal structure, we were able to lo- find a location uh, at a certain coffee shop in Seattle and say, every Wednesday morning, we are going to meet here and talk about lean stuff. And we're going to use this format. And then now, if if... 30 people show up next week, but only one of those people has ever been there before. That's all that's necessary. Mm-hmm. You just need that one person who knows where the post-it process. notes are. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the process is so easy. Um, the, the other thing that it does is it, uh, when we use this for meetings in, with clients or we use this for meetings at all, is um, before meetings had a strict agenda, and those agendas were usually written by a person. And that person would then um, own the meeting. So they would be like the meeting commissar, right? And everyone had to listen to what they said, and they would be the timekeeper and so on and so forth. And what happened then was everybody that would come to the meeting would then be in a power struggle with that meeting owner to get their point across or to get their thing out. But with lean, with a lean coffee format, it's democratized. Everybody shows up. The, uh, the meetings have a theme. So you might say anything you want to talk about, about, you know, finding new markets in Africa, you know, write them down on post-it notes and we'll talk about them. Um, mm-hmm. If somebody comes to the meeting and they have their own, thing that they want to talk about and they write it on a post-it note and no one votes for it, then it's not a power struggle anymore between them and the meeting owner. It's them and absolutely everybody else. And that yep. tends to mm-hmm. diffuse 
you know, people from acting out or interrupting the meetings or things like that. Um, mm -hmm. And that's Lean Coffee. Uh, I've uh, I've I've loved running Lean Coffees. They're they are mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, and now worldwide, there are over a hundred Lean Coffees going on, uh, public ones. So it's. Um in in the first place, when I just heard it, I thought, okay, but normally it's a good idea to have an agenda in a meeting. Otherwise, everyone talks, starts talking about what he likes, and it takes hours, and there has no mm -hmm. outcome of the meeting, especially for Germans. It is a big issue. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, But I think if you have the theme, like what this meeting is about, then the important stuff comes up. And you talk yes. about this, this little notes that you have to talk about. In this way, I have still a little bit like an agenda. Okay. Mm -hmm. I got it. Yeah. I bought it. Thank you. And, 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 yeah. And, well, and the other interesting thing there is that um, what I found is uh, Tony Ann and I will go in to be working with a client, and we will say, you know, what what are the biggest problems here? And they will say, well, the problems are this, and this other thing. And uh, so I'll say that's A and B. Our problems are A and B. And you go around and interview everybody in the company, and everybody in the company agrees that it's A and B. So there's there's no doubt that the problems are A and B. And then we'll go into a meeting, and we'll say, you know, we just want to talk about, you know, what's going on and how things are working. So whatever you guys want to talk about, put, put it on Post-it notes and put it in. And the first two that pop up will be A and B. And there's a bunch of other stuff, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. And then you get down to about N or M, and somebody will throw in a topic just kind of off the top of their head. They hadn't really thought about it. They throw it down, and everybody in the room looks at it, and immediately they're like, oh, my God. And it's apparent to everybody immediately that that ticket was the root cause of A and B. Mm-hmm. So what also can happen in building that collaborative agenda for the meeting is that there's this unconscious ideation session that goes on where everybody's thinking about things that they could talk about. And this has happened so many times, I, I, I can't even express how many times it's happened anymore, um, that that a random topic ends up solving a huge problem for the organization simply because people mm -hmm. finally had the freedom to discuss whatever it was that they needed to discuss. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sounds good. Um, well, beside Kanban, what else are you interested in? Like, I read something <laughs> that you're interested in good food. and. Uh, oh, yes. What else are you interested in? What? <laughs> Well, food is food is going to be right up there, and I've okay. been blessed. Uh, I've been blessed the last several years, after writing the personal Kanban book, to have been traveling around the world almost constantly, and so I have been able to eat amazing food everywhere. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to a few more years of that uh, before uh, uh, before I either get too fat to fit on the plane or my heart explodes or <laughs> or something. But uh, 
but that's that's been fantastic. Um, and uh, you know, oh. it gives me lots of uh, lots of uh, funny stories to tell because I can tell stories about like people who are saying, you know, Americans, no one in the world eats more than American. I'm like, that's because you haven't been to Bavaria. Because <laughs> I can tell you right now that, that Bav- any Bavarian can eat Americans under the table. <laughs> the uh-huh. only difference is they have mountains. So after they eat, they go run up and down the mountains nonstop. And then, so that's why they're not as, as big and gigantic as Americans. Because <laughs> they actually get exercise, too. Uh, if Americans just got some exercise, they'd be fine. Um, so, so there's that. Um, and I'm, I've been loving traveling, uh, and meeting, meeting everybody. Um, but, uh, I, I have to admit that, uh, a lot of, a lot of what I spend my time thinking about, you know, even, even with, with those other loves is, um, is, is workflow and, how people can enjoy their work better and um, be less stressed, and um, mm-hmm. I really love this stuff. Yeah. So I see. Uh, um, if you if you got tired or uh, uh, bored by by the um, your career at the moment, you have the next one like uh, writing about good food on the planet. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I, I even have I even have the way I want to do that worked out. So um, yeah. uh, I don't know. I'm kind of hoping some days I kind of wish that I'd wake up one morning and two million people would have bought the personal Kanban book and I could say, okay, that's it. <laughs> I'm just going to focus on food for a while. <laughs> and in regards to you, what you said, like you, you travel around the world, any plans to go to Germany in the future? Um, like for a well, conference or something? I, I can't imagine that um, uh, Lean Kanban Central Europe. I don't know where it's going to be this year, but uh, I'm reasonably sure it's going to be in Germany again. So yeah, I've I've been in Germany every year at least twice since mm-hmm. 2000 and 2005. Um, mm-hmm. So. Um, and what's frustrating is I haven't been to Ber- I haven't been to Berlin since since the wall came down. <laughs> so I was there I was right, there right after the wall came down, and I haven't been back since. So I would love to get back and go to Berlin, but um, uh, I've been everywhere else. Okay. Um, yep, yeah, that's cool. Maybe you see us. I just had a look on the internet where we. Next Lean Kanban Central Europe is, but I can't figure it out at the moment. Okay, well, see it later. Maybe in the yeah, footnotes. It was, in, it was in Austria this year. Yeah, it was in Austria, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's in Germany again, and IT Edge mm-hmm. organizing it, but I'm not sure, actually. Um, yeah, now your, your, your German book is out. Like, uh, Mike Merch, my a colleague of mine, translated the book. During the last mm-hmm. uh, couple of months, um, the German book is out. W- what other languages are will be translated? Or is it already translated in different other languages? No, German. German is the first. Um, okay. So and and it's out, and I'm I'm still waiting for my copies, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to seeing them. Um, and then I will read them very slowly, 
as my mm-hmm. as my my German is very very slow. Um, yeah. But um, uh, what right now it's being translated into French, and uh-huh. uh, we are discussing uh, uh, with a, with a couple of people uh, translating it into Spanish. Cool. Yeah. Then you have which is very then cool. You need Chinese, yeah. Mandarin, and then you have the three languages, or even yeah. Germany as well. <laughs> yep. Okay. Sounds good. You want to say something for the for the German reader who now is interested in your book, or maybe is interested in your book, and well, directly uh, to them. Um. <laughs> um. Hmm. I'm so conversational that that's a, <laughs> an interesting request. Um, so, I think one of the things that I'm I'm excited about uh, and haven't haven't yet found is um, I. Uh, I'm not sure how to put this, or even if it's a good idea to say this on tape. Um, <laughs> um, I was having a conversation with somebody on one of my trips, and they said, you know, why do you think that the personal Kanban book has been so popular in Germany? Um, mm-hmm. And um, because Germany is, is our second second biggest market, uh, yep. to be sure. And uh, and I believe that there's that there's there's because people are like you know is it is it because you know Germans are very systematic and they want to know exactly what to do and exactly when to do it and I said well kind of <laughs> I yeah. I think that that's true but I also think that that um, that there's part of personal Kanban that resonates with the, with Germans because Germans are very systematic but they also understand that the systems that they're building are slightly flawed and so and that there's that cognitive dissonance that like bothers people you know it's like I'm doing this and it's working but it's not perfect and I know it can be more perfect and that's what personal Kanban's all about it's about saying you know uh, okay, you've got this process right now, and it's working okay. So keep working with it because it's okay. But always be looking for ways that it can be better. And mm-hmm. that improvement aspect, uh, I think, is is extremely um, attractive uh, to to the way that the way that Germans approach problems. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Does that sound does that sound right or does that sound yeah. crazy? <laughs> no, that's that's not crazy actually. Uh, for me, it, it it bothers me from time to time that I think it is working, but it's I think it's not the best thing what we can have. Like, mm-hmm. and then you you start thinking about and um, carrying the thoughts with uh, for for days with you around. Yeah, can be. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. Yeah, and that's I mean, okay. and that's that's what that's why I think that it's uh, uh, I think because it it comes right out at the beginning and it says this is not perfect, but mm-hmm. neither is anything else. And the major difference is that other uh, other systems try and convince you that they're perfect. 
yeah. and, and we're and not going to lie to you and say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you have to find it the way on your own. Cool. Um, <laughs> well, let's have a look on the climb. I think it will now over 40 minutes. Um, ah. Jim Benson, I think you want to say some, some, something, the la some last words for the interview. Um, well, I mean, the last thing I'd like to say, obviously, is that I'm, I'm very grateful for for Micah for uh, her her wonderful translation, uh, and that I'm I'm looking forward to. Um, to personal Kanban being used in Germany even more, uh, both with the, the English book and um, the um, the Ostdeutsch book. Then thank you very much, Jim, and maybe mm -hmm. we see us somewhere on a conference and um, have a good time in Seattle. <laughs> Thanks for listening to SE Radio, an educational program brought to you by IEEE Software Magazine. For more information about the podcast, including other episodes, visit our website at se-radio.net. To support us, you can advertise SE Radio by clicking the Dig, Reddit, Delicious, or Slashdot buttons on the site, or by talking about us on Facebook, Twitter, or your own blog. If you have feedback specific to an episode, please use the commenting feature on the site so that other listeners can respond to your comments as well. This and all other episodes of SE Radio is licensed under the Creative Commons 2.5 license. Please see the website for details. Thanks again for your support.